Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, it's Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, as more and more hobbyists start incorporating botanical materials in all sorts of aquariums, we're once again exposed to a lot of different approaches, ideas, and, you know, techniques. And there's a sort of blending of approaches and techniques, all of which serve to bring us, you know, joy and appreciation for the wonders of nature. However, we often tend to edit nature, don't we? Polishing out or trying to bypass the processes, aesthetics, and functions that we find, I don't know, distasteful in search of what we have generically called a so-called balanced aquarium. It's a noble, important goal. However, I think we need to understand that nature seeks a balance in her own way, and one that really doesn't take into account our schedules, our goals, or our aesthetic preferences. And it's well known that an aquarium is a closed ecosystem that can easily fall out of balance. We often say it's a delicate uh, balance, but I don't think that it really is. Rather, it's a robust system which establishes itself in a way that utilizes what's available at any given time. And sometimes it results in the pendulum shifting from one life form to another. The balance itself may be delicate in that various life forms can take over at any given time and rapidly too. However, if you have ever battled something like an algae bloom, you'll never call the life forms themselves delicate, right? They're tenacious. You have to respect that. Any life form that takes advantage of optimum conditions to thrive is at least worthy of some appreciation, even if it looks like, well, shit, right? Sure, excessive algae growth is a sign of an imbalance of something, light, nutrients, etc., often exacerbated by deficiencies in husbandry or a combination of these factors. This is Aquarium Keeping 101, of course, but when you're in the middle of these kinds of struggles, it's e- easy to, you know, sort of overlook the seemingly basic stuff. And it's not always easy or clear to understand why a tank is out of balance. Sometimes it just takes time to figure it out. I think the most important thing is to think of an aquarium, especially our botanical-style aquariums, as a small closed ecosystem or microcosm with internal and external influences, any one of which may be extremely impactful when they converge. Now, understanding the various possible impacts that our techniques and executions can have on our aquariums is just the start. On the most superficial level, you know, adding a lot of botanical material into a tank is a recipe for A, a lot of bio load for the resident organisms to process, B, uh, a substrate for biofilm and or algal growth, and C, biodiversity, a proliferation of a variety of organisms. C is the most optimistic way to look at things, right? And of course, bio load can be taken advantage of by a particularly adaptable life form, which could proliferate more quickly than others, throwing your little ecosystem out of balance, if that's the way you look at it, right? This is part of the reason why the so-called Wallstad method for plants and aquariums, which I love dearly, by the way, proffers incorporating fast-growing plants from the start. They'll compete with algae for the same nutrients, and typically they'll outpace the algae as they grow. So it's about starting out your aquarium to empower various life forms to help seek a balance. Interesting. Now, in our urban agapo approach, we advocate what amounts to a dirted bottom aquarium, kind of like Wallstad, sans aquatic plants, at least initially, of course, and no sand cap over the soil. Rather, we plant terrestrial plants and or grasses, ideally submersion-tolerant ones, 
during the dry phase. And of course, when we add the water, this abundance of nutrients in the substrate creates a significant bioload in the now aquatic environment. Stuff is going to happen. Perhaps, do we dare say, the uh, urban agapo is the metaphorical ugly stepchild of the Wallstead method. Maybe, but I suppose that could be viewed as a little bit presumptuous and not all about a name here. It's about a philosophy. Ceding a lot of the control to nature is hard for some of us to quantify as a technique or a method, so I get it. At various phases in this process of the urban agapo process, that is, uh, our best practice might be to simply observe. And with plant growth starting to slow down or even going completely dormant while submerged, the utilizations of nutrients via their growth simply disappears or diminishes. The aquatic life forms, biofilms, algae, aquatic plants, if you add them, and various bacteria, microorganisms, microcrustaceans, those take over. There's obviously an initial lag time when this transitional phase occurs, like a time when there's the greatest opportunity for one life form or another, like algae, bacterial biofilms, etc., to become the dominant player in the microcosm. And that's exactly what happens in nature during this transitional phase, right? In our aquarium practice, it's the time when you think about the impact of technique, you know, like water changes, addition of aquatic plants, adding fishes, perhaps reducing light intensity or photo period, and again, just observation to keep things in balance, at least as much as possible. You'll question yourself, and you'll wonder if you should intervene at all, and how. Someone in the system, one life form or another, will exploit the available resources to the detriment of others, and the key here is observation, followed by intervention as needed or desired. Intervention being manipulation of environmental parameters or the impacts in order to rebalance the system if you can or if you feel you must. Like in any aquarium, there's no magic elixir, no single solution to a situation like this. It's about a number of measured moves, any of which could have significant impact or even take over the system if allowed to do so. This is part of the reason why we don't currently recommend playing with the uh, urban agapo on a large-scale tank just yet. Well, that and the fact that I'm not going to you know, be mixing up thousands of pounds of the substrate additives just yet. Um, so <laughs> there's a self-centered uh, part there too. But, but the reality is, until you make these mental shifts to accept all this stuff in one of these small tanks, the idea of replicating this in a 50 or 100-gallon tank is something that you may want to hold off on for just a bit. Or not. I mean, if you understand and accept the processes, the functions, and aesthetics of this stuff, maybe you would want to go big on your first attempt. However, I think you need to try it on a nanoscale first to really acclimate to the idea. The idea of accepting nature as it is makes you extremely humble because there's a realization at some point that you're more of an interested observer than an active participant. It's a dance, one of which may, you know, we may only have so much control of or even understanding of. That's part of the charm. These habitats are a remarkable mix of terrestrial and aquatic elements and processes and cycles. There's a lot going on and it's not just, okay, water's here, now it's a stream. Nope, a lot of stuff to consider. In fact, one of the arguments one could make about these urban agapo systems that we play with is that you may not want to aggressively intervene during the transition because there is so much going on. Rather, you may simply want to observe and study the processes and results which occur during this phase. Now, personally, I've noticed that the wet season changes in my UI tanks generally happen slowly, but you'll definitely notice them as they appear. After you've run through two or three of these complete seasonal transitional cycles in your urban agapo, you'll either hate the shit out of this idea or you'll fall completely in love with it and want to do more and more work in this little subsector of our botanical-style aquarium world. The opportunity to learn more about the unique nuances which occur during the transition from terrestrial to an aquatic habitat is, like, irresistible to me. Of course, I'm willing to accept all of this stuff with a very open mind. 
Typically, it results in a fascinating, utterly beautiful, and surprisingly realistic representation representation, of what happens in nature. And it's also entirely possible to have your urban agapo turn into an urban algae farm if things get out of balance. Yeah, it can recover from this. Again, even the fact that a system is so-called out of balance, which is an entirely human construct when you think about it, what is balance? I mean, I'm sure there's a, there's a biological definition for it, but in terms of the aquarium, what is balance? Think about that. But just because the system is out of balance doesn't mean that it's a failure. After all, the algae's thriving, right? That's a success. Life forms have adopted. That's a cause to celebrate. I know that sounds weird, but it happens even in nature too. I know, it does seem weird. I'm going to say it again. We've long feared what we've always felt looked like failure. And that's actually something to cherish. A huge, huge mental shift that literally goes against every single thing you've been taught in the hobby. Are you scared yet? I can see why you would be. I mean, we're essentially asking you to do the equivalent of turning a potted plant into a fish pond. And that's sort of, well, sort of crazy, right? Well, maybe not. I mean, this transition from terrestrial to aquatic has been happening in the Agapo, the flooded forests of South America, for eons. Nature has the processes, organisms, and parameters which allow this annual transition to occur. Life forms have adapted to this cycle. Now, sure, the forests of South America are open ecological systems, and your two-gallon urban Agapo in suburban Cincinnati isn't. I, I get it. On the other hand, the same processes and natural laws which govern the function of the forest impact the function in your little experimental glass box. Think about that. Once again, the idea of a mental shift to accept and understand the processes and the way they look and impact our closed systems is a huge part of the equation. Think about this. Yeah, the tank may look a lot, you know, look like cloudy, brown, glass full of shit at some phases of this transition. However, there are reasons why, right? Nature's trying to establish a functioning little ecosystem. And not all of this fits our definition of attractive, but it is natural. And what's wrong with that? The looks? I mean, are your fishes dying? No. Then what's the real problem here? Oh my God, the phosphate level's high. The nitrate. Well, yeah, that's why there's algae, because it's taking advantage of that phosphate. What happens when the phosphate is exhausted or the bulk of it is exhausted? The algae dies and something else takes over. Nature has an amazing way of controlling her environments. It's, have you noticed most of the ecological disasters in nature are caused by man's intervention in cycles which have been going on independently for eons? And, and again, it's just a weird way of looking at this vis-a-vis the aquarium hobby. But if you make this kind of mental shift, you'll even be able to tolerate, accept, and even appreciate the appearances of biofilms, beard algae, fungal growth, and any number of things that you'd likely see during this environmental transition. It's simply nature working through her transitional process. In fact, even in a so-called standard aquarium, it's nature. these things you see are nature working with what's available to her to seek some kind of an equilibrium or balance or whatever you want to call it to make a long-term functioning stable system. Yes, accepting all this stuff, aesthetic and otherwise, is contradictory to what we've been taught over the generations to be acceptable in an aquarium. However, if you really want to own a real nature aquarium, sorry guys, then I think that you need to make this big mental shift. This is what nature looks like. Again, study some of the pictures on our site. That is what nature looks like. Yes, not every ecosystem in nature is cloudy, gnarly water with biofilms and dead leaves and stuff. But this type of transitional system, that's what nature looks like. And there's no single thing that you can do, change or add to magically transform your urban agapo into a sparkling, shiny, clean, perfectly balanced 
you know, by hobby definition, ecosystem. There's no magic elixir or single practice to get you the perfectly predictable results every single time. Rather, it's a series of changes, practices, processes, and just the passage of time, which we as hobbyists need to study, understand, and accept. The whole idea of this urban agapo thing is to foster a closed ecosystem, to replicate on a small scale what happens in nature by embracing what happens in nature. Nature finds a way. Nature knows how to do this. It's up to us to decide whether we want to accept and understand this or to resist and attempt to circumvent the offerings of nature. Which way will you go? Regardless, stay determined, stay curious, stay observant, stay patient, stay resourceful, stay open-minded, and always stay wet. This is Scott Feldman. Until next time, thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.